it's like reading English sort of, right? But when you read uh, when you read Bash, you just see like some letters and some dashes and some It brackets. reminds me a lot of of taking math courses. Yeah, it's very where they're abstract. Like, they're like, you know what? Fuck you, Greek. <laughs> we're just doing Greek. We could yep. write the word sum, but we're not gonna. Nope. We're gonna use a giant epsilon. What? Like, yep. just put, just use words. But no, no, that's not how math works. And that's not how Bash works either. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 436 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the merger of worlds. Uh, I'm Adam and I'm the murder of worlds. I'm Sam and I'm the maker of spears. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. And murdering worlds. Merge, merger, merger, merging worlds. worlds. Yeah, murder. That's a different department. I don't yeah. work there. Yep. Don't worry about yeah, that. Okay. We don't talk about it. Uh, today's a Spooktober sixth, twenty Jubilee. Before Ooh. we get started, we have a warning. There's gonna be swears and curses, profanities, and all over the place in this show. Ghosts, mm-hmm. skeletons. Uh, Skeletober or Skeletember is over, which I am. Pushing for Halloween creep. I want more Halloween stuff happening in September. Yep. If Christmas can do it, Halloween can do it. Yeah. That's it's only yeah. fair. Halloween, objectively better holiday. Technically, mm-hmm. Halloween could make its way all the way up to uh, the day after uh, Valentine's, and I'd still be okay Same. with it. I think it should make its way all the way up to the day after Halloween. Just wrap of around. the prior. Just loop it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Imagine integrating Halloween into into a box of chocolates, into Easter, you know? Instead of hunting for eggs, you're hunting for skeleton eggs, which look a lot like regular eggs. But but it's basically a ribcage for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've learned. Every time time they're like, it's a skeleton spider, it's like, it has a ribcage now. Yeah, Yeah, you can buy skeleton spiders or skeleton octopus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my wife and I were collecting strange, <laughs> nonsense skele- Halloween skeletons for a while. Um, we, we didn't see a particularly good one for a bit, but I, but I did see one at Walgreens yesterday, which was a rubber duck skeleton. Mm, it was that's like good. not it a was duck like skeleton, a rubber, a rubber duck. It was duck like shaped skeleton. like a rubber duck. You know, we have like in our in our uh, our first floor, like our main bathroom, um, we have. Uh, a little teddy bear skeleton from a few years ago. That oh, that's great. We just like not much. a bear skeleton. That's a teddy, a bear, teddy skeleton. bear skeleton. Yeah, <laughs> we just, it just sits on the back of the toilet just to say hi to you because, you know. Because it's spooky. Because it's but spooky. cute. Uh, so anyways, we oh, also we'd like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. If you'd like to uh, support the podcast and help keep our mic juices flowing, then uh, head on over there and toss us a single or recurring donation. We'd really appreciate it. All right, guys, we got a bunch of things to talk about today. Uh, first off, we've got a, a couple of a couple of uh, m- pieces of media for our segment, Nail or Whiff. Mm-hmm. This is the segment where we don't review something using, you know, stars or whatever. We just try to figure out what they were going for and did they nail it. Yeah, it's not even about you if know? we liked it, you know, it's just. Yeah, because sometimes somebody did a really good job at something you'd hate. 
But you you got to appreciate that reviews are just too (laughs) polluted by people's own taste, and so we're trying to avoid that. You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. and we have no taste, so don't even worry about it. We are objective observers. No flavor, Mm. no spice. Uh, So Sam, Mm. Baldur's Gate (laughs) Three. There's this game. Okay, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, yeah, it just, it, you know, came out a little while ago. I don't know. It's like, it's making some noise-ish. Yeah, some indie um, studio. Yeah, and, I, you know, I play, I don't have a lot of time. But I play for like about 110 hours, so, you know. Yeah, just kind of squeeze it in kinda a little bit. It just kind of between <laughs> baby stuff and work stuff. Give a little you know. sample. Yep. Sampling. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's, like, like you said, objectively enough time to be able to say if something's good or not. You know, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not an expert. Um, but I'd say that I nailed it. Nailed it. That's my I take. agree. Yep. I'm... Hot take. I you heard it yeah, first I, here. Yep. <laughs> people aren't talking about it, but nope. I gotta say they yeah. should be. Yeah. Know, people are talking uh, about it so little. We're just gonna join with that and not say anything else about it. Yep, that's, that's it. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah. Uh, and I told I told Adam and Sam I was like, if we talk about Baldur's Gate three, it's gonna be hard for me to contain talking about the crazy shit I've been doing. But I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna no, talk about Seth. all the You're crazy shit to. I've been You're doing in like, that game. You're just right about to do it. But I'm not gonna do it. That's it. I did all kinds of crazy shit in that game though. So you know. Uh, also, no one will save you. That's not, I'm not saying that. That's the name of a movie. But that is yeah. a good thing to say during Spooktober, you know? Nope. Yeah. It's very spooky. You're on your own in Spooktober. Put your, so put no one will save oxygen you. mask on first, you know? I've never heard of this movie. I don't know this movie. What is this movie? It came out on, it's on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. And I saw a single trailer for it a while ago. And I was like, it looks fun. And Same. gist of it is that... Aliens invade. That's it. Sick. Aliens invade, and you're just following this one person in a, in a small town who, you know, has been through some shit. Aliens invade. What flavor of invasion is this? Is this um, spooky, uh, subtle invasion, or is this giant, devastating apocalypse invasion? It's apocalypse it's, level. Okay. But your experience nice, but of it is more sp- – it's not subtle. Definitely not subtle. But your experience it's of not it is like more uh, spooky and small. Right. Like you're, it's, it's a person's experience of this – yeah, very large scale invasion. Um, okay. And a person who says nothing. Yeah. Okay, so we got a Gordon she's got, Freeman she's got situation. Like, I think she has one line of dialogue. Maybe the whole movie has because like nobody else is like participates either. Really, right? It feels yeah, like people. Like it no feels talking. like people talk more than that because the acting is really well done, and there's a lot of just mm-hmm. like. But there's even a moment like where the early on where the main character goes into a convenience store and is kind of confronted by a couple people. I'm not going to get into details, but mm-hmm. like in my memory, some some words are exchanged. But actually, all that happens is You're one right. of the people spits on her. That's mm-hmm. the whole. That's the they're whole thing. Staring. And they're just I'll looking just at each other. <laughs> yeah. What? So it's. Uh, okay. I would say it. It. You know, one of those like hostile spits. You know, where people are like, Oh yeah, yeah. we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. all been there. Yeah. yeah. We've all received it. We've all sent it. I get it. That's just just good communication. Yeah. So I would say that um, the thing I liked about it, I think the thing you go into is is it's a monster feature, right? Which means you get to see the fucking monsters. This isn't like, let's wait until the end and still not show you anything. No, no, no. no. There's, you get to see them. You get to see them early and there's a couple of different kinds and it's Yeah. And usually when you see the monster, it's just like, well, okay, well that just ruined it. You know, like it doesn't. Yep. Yeah. And like, these are gray they're aliens. Good. They're gray yeah, alien they're gray monsters. Aliens. You don't expect it to work at all because, like, how tall are they? They're human tall. tall. Well, and they get they get taller. I'll just say without, without any details. Uh, but like, what? yeah, they did a good job of like <laughs> these weird gray aliens that are just boring ass gray aliens. Like at first, like that's what it seems like, and then they get like weirder and yep. 
and spookier. Not exactly yeah. more horrifying, but like definitely creepier and spookier. Mm-hmm. But also like hilarious at the same time. They make these little yes. like they make these little like gestures, you know, because um, like you'll see it. And they're like they have this moment where like like the characters being chased by one of these aliens, you know, and it just like stops. And it just starts looking at her. And then kind of crouches down and puts its arms in this little like prayer pose and just keeps staring. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just fucking weird. And it's lots of weird shit. It's like, like, that, like I like that though. Cause like they're aliens, right? Time. And yeah, so it's weird as shit. You wouldn't be able to easily map their body language and behaviors onto things like animals or things yeah. that like we are accustomed to. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it feels like it's like trying to communicate something, you know, but cause it's, it's also like these, these weird gestures are also how they communicate to their spaceship. Right now, mm-hmm. and so uh, like, so it's like clear, but it's just creepy and weird. So yeah, it, it was it was very fun. I had a great time with it. The ending is that's is bizarre, but uh, but still kind of fun and interesting and like open to interpretation. You know, um, yeah. It, I think I think the whole thing works well. I think it is one of those divisive ones where they clearly were going for something particular. Yeah, in terms of how the whole thing feels, how the whole thing wraps up, uh, they, and they nailed it. They nailed it. I think they which, nailed it. You know, yeah. you could not like. Because yep. it's a particular choice they made that's not the usual choice. So I would recommend it. The ending is, is a surprise. I'm not going to say anything about it. Uh, it's weird, but it's a good time. So if you like seeing some aliens and, and you know, a little bit of that, like it's it's scary, but not really because they're very clearly, you know, some some monster movies, like afterwards you think about it and you're, it's like Jaws, right? Where you're like, oh, fuck. Like every time yeah, it kind of creeps you out still. No matter yeah. what. Yeah. I didn't get any of that with this one because it was like Same. somehow yeah. Well, because it was kind of safe. It was kind of funny. Like, yes. Yeah, because it was like so weird that it was kind of just They're also so funny. Weird. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, still it's still to this date the only there've only been like two monsters on screen that I've been like actually like impressed by. Still not necessarily like scared of because that's just a hard thing to pull off. Um, but the what are they? The disgusting slime, the giant slime monster, like muscle monster thing from uh, was it season three or two of Stranger Things. Oh yeah, that was it's yeah, just like gross. so delightfully yep. horrible and gross, right? And it's just made out of all the people of the meat. town. Yeah, it's yeah. Just made so that one meat. is that one's good. And then <laughs> yeah. uh, that, unfortunately, was it's like it's one of those future movies. Like I can't remember. Nine? No, it's uh, it's got it's got what's his face, Chris Pratt in it. It's a it was like I, don't, I can't remember if it was an Amazon Prime original or what it was, but. It's that one where it's like aliens kill everybody in the future, but we figure out how to go into the future oh, yeah. to go fight they have them. Like, they have like spike things. Yeah, they got these. They shoot spikes and stuff. Um, I can't yeah. remember. Oh, I remember that. But those fucking good. aliens are. They're really aliens. They're good. Really yeah. good. And unfortunately, that movie turns into has the dumbest plot twist of all time. And then the second half of the movie is just like, what if we did the worst sci-fi stuff (laughs) and then do that for the second half of the movie. But the first half of the movie is just like these amazing, terrifying aliens that are just so good. Uh, Halfway through the script, they realized they forgot they forgot to cram all the tropes in. Yeah, so they, they stuck them all in. Speed the ran it. And actually, it's, it's funny because I keep on seeing everyone like looking for something to watch, uh, and then I, I see that thing pop up again. And I'm like, ooh, because like I want to actually experience the first half of that movie again. But then I remember how stupid and bad the second half is, and mm. then I don't do it. So, yep, yep, yep. 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 But but Edge of Tomorrow also that's a great. No, that's a different one, it's but different. similar. It's got a similar uh, name. 
It and, does have a similar name to the Chris yeah, Pratt one. But that, yeah, but that's the Tom Cruise one. Oh, uh, I love that one. Yeah, that was, that was so fun. good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched Edge of Tomorrow, definitely watch super that. Nailed it. a good time for like those kind of spooky Get all that spooky movies. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pick one up. Yeah. Pick I'd fun. say my, I'd say my favorite, my best like monster movie would have to be Cloverfield. That was so good. Mm, OG Cloverfield. OG Cloverfield. OG Cloverfield. So yeah. good. Yeah, I need to rewatch the, that. The, it's been a while. The scene where the dude is like standing under it with the camera and it just looks down at him. Oh, <laughs> I was like, he's dead. He's fucked. Uh-huh. It's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they nailed it. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about let's talk about some game dev stuff. Okay, so we've been in the thick of it, uh, you know, for about about three years. It's real now. thick. Turns out, uh, yeah, we're actually about three years in. Uh, Crashlands Two really uh-huh. kind of ramped up. In real production in about October ish of 2020. Yeah. It's 2023, right? I mean, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> what year is it? Yeah, I started working um, on it in, in. It was the summer of 2020. June of 2020. Yeah. Sam started work going through uh, compiling a bunch of like research and, and uh, de- design notes and stuff like that. Um, uh, you guys did your we were, multiplayer test, was the big thing. We started, yeah. We were doing a bunch of tech research and stuff. But then the actual sort of like um, production of the code and and assets and all that really started in earnest um, in about October. So yeah, we're, we're kind of around that three year mark, um, and it's going pretty good. We we uh, so we hit a, a milestone recently that it, it referred to as the golden path. So you kind of think about it like if you have a game that's pretty open. Uh, then the player can do a lot of weird things. They can end up in strange places in the world. They can do all kinds of side quests, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, when you're developing, uh, you know, you're developing the story and the locations and all that, as a developer, you do kind of have a general idea of what would be like the best uh, or sort of just the intended path. Yeah, Yeah. kind of like the main through line of like how the story is going to go and stuff like that. and so, so we recently hit our golden path milestone for the first uh, biome, first yeah. zone. Uh, it's it's different from the original Crashlands in the sense that there's not there's not like in the first Crashlands you would be in one biome and then you'd hit a teleporter and you'd just be in a completely new biome. And so they were like separated by loading screens essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Crashlands Two doesn't have that. It's a lot more kind of a blurry line between zones and you'll kind of see that sort of like the the terrain doesn't just like suddenly you're in a completely new place there'll be a lot of kind of blending and stuff but uh but we're we're just still going to call it the first biome yeah. you know the first zone um yeah and so uh so let's talk about that we could so also about, call like, it the first act probably right that would first of, act would probably be yeah, make yeah, more sense yeah um yeah and so that kind of culminates in uh it culminates in a boss fight and we've got a couple of these sort of like encounters out in the world that are almost like puzzly sorts of things that you get like you do to work your way toward it and um yeah there's like lots and lots of stuff so uh let's talk about like the sort of focusing act of setting a milestone like this we should also as part of that talk about how because you just said it's been three years right and we just Mm -hmm. kind of in essence finished the like an honest, solid draft of the first of three acts, right? Yeah. So does that mean it's going to take six more years no. to get this game out nope. the door? I mean, most and yeah, most not? of our dev time is in tools. Um, yeah. And essentially, it's to make it so that we are able to do things very quickly. And so during and it's this- it's answering this, design and technical yes. questions. 
and so during this first chunk of, of production, you know, a lot of what we're doing is, um, we're doing, we're only doing enough content production to evaluate whether our tools are allowing us to be capable of doing an immense amount of content production. Mm-hmm. And to answer design questions around any around particular what, what kind to produce. of Yes. Yeah. So it's a, a lot of the initial stuff then is just, it's essentially, you know, it's two steps forward, one step back, basically. Which is like, all right, we got a sword. How do we get it in the player's hand? How do you even know what a sword hits with? How do you attach a recipe to it? How do you get this sword specifically? All that just a mile long piece of parchment that rolls, you know, down the street with all of the, the details figured out. And essentially where we've gotten to now is we've been just slowly, slowly, slowly working our way toward a point where we can say that anything that we want to do, we essentially are either already capable of doing and have answers to all the questions or are in a uh, phase where we can extend existing systems in a really simple way to get that new kind of functionality. And we've been there now for, like we've been there largely for a while, actually, a couple months. Um, and that's kind of when we started on this more f- focused golden path idea, which was saying, okay, mm-hmm. we have, it looks like we actually have all the parts that we need at a baseline that with a little bit of extra extension here, flexion there, whatever, we can push them into that next uh, that next level up. I have a really good example of this is, as I mentioned right before the podcast, that our milestone last December was boss fight. Okay? Yeah. As in we wanted to have boss fights last December? As in, yeah. We, so it was, it was in like, it was in about October, October I think, where yeah. we said, where we said like by, by the end of December, boss fights. Boss. Now it turns yeah. out, right, that the the actual total distance in terms of systems dev between where we were and having a boss fight. Not again, not just having a boss fight, but like the reality of a boss fight, which is that you gotta they typically are get these combinations. Yeah. yeah, you gotta get to it. You gotta like balance needs to be there. You need to have weapon choices, you know, going in. In our case, a pet. <laughs> like Buffs, yeah, like on a basic level, a boss fight is just a combat encounter, right? And like we already have those. Yes. But what makes it a boss fight is that there's is like Sam was saying, there's an integration thing, as in like it's part of something. It's part of the world in a meaningful way. There's like stories that take you to mm-hmm. it. So you need all, all that, all those kinds of systems. And then also uh the combat encounter can't just be stab the boss for 12 seconds and then get loot, nope. right? Like it's Not like there's a boss needs, fight, right? Yeah. So you need more, more things going on, including maybe the boss like summons little, uh, little, we refer to them as ads, but like refer to them as additional, uh, enemies, you know, or, or they, there's like things in the boss's arena that the boss will interact with to like create hazards or things like that. It goes um, through phases, know, right? So it's, yeah, yep, the yep, boss's behavior changes or like it does something different at certain Points, or maybe even the, the boss's arena changes, right? Like something comes out of the ground or like the world opens up or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, these are all like pretty involved things that you need. Uh, yeah. And the, the honestly, the biggest one is the integration thing. Like just just having having the boss exist in the world in a way that is meaningful and tied to every other thing is a big deal, yep. which means you have to have every other thing, right? It's like, <laughs> so, it's like a tree, right? It's like the reality is that you can't have a tree with no roots, you know, yep. attached to other things. That's you can't have an apple without also the whole tree, the trunk yeah. and the leaves and the yeah. branches. And, yeah. Yeah. and so it's like you, you kind of have to have all that set up. And so when we, when we had set that milestone last December, the, basically the error we'd made was I think largely around not being able to see just that, the sheer volume of subsystems that were still required to get us there. And so it was like, it was the it rest this, of the systems. It was the rest of the, yeah, which, which makes it. Well, it's I, a weird I would thing say though, like we, we knew 
we had a list like, of all the systems. Yeah, we and the reason, yeah. yeah, and the reason we set that milestone was because we wanted to put a fire under our own asses to say like, all right, yeah, we could be fixing minor bugs and yeah, talking about, about all kinds right. of side quests, blah, blah, but like we're setting this milestone so that we can focus our efforts on just banging out all of the systems necessary to get a yes. boss fight put together. Yeah. But, you know, and so, but like this is the whole point of making a milestone is it's a focusing act. It, it, it forces you to prioritize things in a way to meet the milestone and not worry about things that, although maybe annoying or important to you or whatever, uh, don't actually matter as much in the context of the big picture, right? Yeah, so, I think I think well, I think that's really the big thing from a lot of the production work we've done. Is I feel like we've at least I feel like maybe in the last year and a half or so, have gotten much better at at letting go of the list of things that does already exist that we know. Right, that big. There's always a big list of like a thousand things. Whether it's more content that in a system that you know exists, whether it's answering like a few other questions about some content that have come up now that you've implemented it, or even like a new system that you also know needs to happen. There's always a giant list, and so that act of prioritizing the particular thing that is actually the most important, the big thing, right? It's mm-hmm. very hard to do. I think we got much better at it over the last year and some change. Uh, in terms of just being like, nothing else matters right now until, like, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get X, Y, or Z done because the game still doesn't have, you know, this thing, this big yeah. damn thing. So who cares about this? The fact is, like, we we are tinkerers, right? Like, we, yes. we would be content just fixing bugs, refactoring things, polishing stuff, just being like, what if? And then just mm-hmm. put a weird dumb thing in there. But at some point, you've got to decide what the game's going to be and what it's not going to be and focus mm-hmm. on delivering that. And that's where the, the milestone stuff comes in, right? So so we're definitely like deep now into the the phase of, of game development where the, the concept of the game is quite solidified. Like it's, 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 very it's got a strong sense of what it <clears> – <throat> of what it's going to be. And now it's just a matter of the tools are solidified. The systems are solidified also like Mm -hmm. not, not in that they can't be nudged in other directions or extended. Right. But in that we have answers to all the questions that definitely needed answers. Right. And we could just basically finish the game with the set of answers that we have. Yes. And not add any other ones. Um, we, we won't because we'll find things that we want to do, you know, as we, as we go on it and still have things that we know we want to do. Uh, yep. But we we are now at that phase of development where we're now we get to kind of it's not it's not it's no longer like ah oh, shit before we can accomplish yes. a game we have to still build this and build that and build this and build that right and it's now more of hey cool we can build the game now so now it's all about building it and then build as fast as you can and then adding some extra stuff here and there as we go you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 so what what I think has been most interesting about this is that uh, we've on the the dev side, then a lot of my role has shifted such that Seth's doing a lot of what I used to do in terms of a lot of the design or integration stuff of the particulars, right? So, hey, we got this pet. Let's go figure out it's the details all about it. Um, where does it show up? What abilities does it have, etc. And then that's freed me up to just be on the art side. So I've just been, just been making art basically for about a month now. Yeah, I started essentially 1st of September. Second of September, really mm-hmm. focus on that, um, and that's been really good too. Because of course, the, the longer you do a thing, the more momentum you get, the more little you know extra finesse you get in, in getting all together. So I know for me at least, it's been a really it's been an extremely productive month, um, just plowing stuff into the game. So it's it's, like, it's coming along very fast. It'll still take. It's, it's weird because like I feel like we say that a lot, but it's 
it's a big fucking game. So it's like, it's coming along very fast, but there's just a lot. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot. It's never going to be fast enough, you know. Yeah. But it's as fast as as we can get. Uh, But but I mean, the the other thing that's been kind of interesting is is since making this transition where um, instead of me just programming tools and stuff, um, and then, you know, up up until now, Sam was doing art, but also uh, doing lots of stuff with the world map and uh, quest design and, and all this other stuff. Um, so now that we're putting Sam onto just turbo art production and I've switched over to doing a lot of stuff with the world map, um, then I kept getting hit by this bottleneck that uh, has always been there, but it wasn't as much of a problem until now because now we're in our big content push. And the bottleneck is that uh, we have we have a world map, we have a, a map editor, but only one person can work on the world map at a time. Mm-hmm. The reason is it's kind of like uh, it's like saving a file. Like, I mean, it's yeah, know. it's just it's just like saving a file in Dropbox, right? It's basically it's like it's like having a a, a document in a, a Dropbox versus a document in Google Docs. Like if it's in Dropbox, if I'm working on it, and then if Sam works on it. At the same time, we both try to save it. Then Dropbox is just like, I don't know. And then it will just like make a copy and call it a conflicted copy because two people edited it independently on each of their computers. And then Dropbox is like, I don't know how the fuck to like Resolve put those edits together, right? They're just two different files now. Um, and so that's kind of what we've, what we've had with the world map where there's just – there's a map file – and but because we had we had uh, such a light touch on it in the sense that people working on the map were doing it kind of in like short bursts and generally just kind of like spaced apart from each other, then it just didn't really matter that only one person could work on it at a time. Well, now that we're in this content push, um, we just have so many scenarios where we do need yep. to one, two, or three people working on the world map simultaneously throughout the day. Um, and this is just it, you know. What we talk about in DevOps that you can never get rid of the bottlenecks in your process. They just move. whenever you relieve a bottleneck, you just have moved moved it. So now there's a new bottleneck somewhere else downstream, yeah, right? But um, some bottlenecks are better than others. Yeah. So. At so a certain at a certain thing, point, yeah. the question is just like, are the bottlenecks that are throttling our production? okay, like, can we still produce enough at the speed we need given the bottlenecks that we have, right? And in this case, the answer is no, we cannot. (laughs) Um, And so I spent this week uh, working through the logic of being able to merge the worlds together. So the idea, it's still still gonna be independent files on different people's computers. We're not gonna do like real-time editing, you know, like like a Google Docs or something. Fuck that. Fuck all of that. That would be a a year long project in and of itself. Um, But this is a, this is a a more constrained solution to the problem, which is to say everybody will still have their own copy uh, on their machine, but when they want to, uh, when they want to upload it or whenever somebody else uploads a new version, then we need to be able to merge the worlds together so that if you've changed something uh, and somebody else changed something else, then we get to keep both changes, right? Um, so that's been, uh, it's been an interesting process, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's been, it's been kind of cool because like we've done a lot of work with the game changer, which is our tool that allows us to edit the game's data in this same kind of way. So like Sam can work on pieces of the game's data and I can work on other pieces of it and then we merge them together. Right. And it, and so 
I, so I was able to recycle a lot of that, those ideas and like the, the code and the concepts to be able to merge the world map together. It's still going to be, you know, there's still going to be some scenarios where like some stuff doesn't merge very well if we end up with two people changing the same thing at the same time yeah, that's uh, or just thing. things that overlap, you know, like you can imagine all the bajillion of scenarios that arise, right? Like somebody, somebody deletes a character off of the map and, or a, cre- a specific creature, right? So that creature mm-hmm. no longer exists, but somebody else on their copy didn't touch that creature. Like they didn't delete it or whatever. And some other part of the map, they like made it so that in a change to that part of the map triggered by a quest, that creature appears or like gets moved there or whatever, right? Or a character gets moved there or whatever. And so somebody else deleted that thing for some other reason. And then you go to merge on your side. It's like, oh, that that thing is just gone now, right? Um, Yep. How do you resolve that? Yeah. So the best, the best we, the best I was kind of came up with is like, since there are essentially a trillion ways that a conflict between changes can happen, and uh, and there's no real obvious way to just definitively resolve that conflict, then what we're doing, what I did instead is I just put together basically a conflict viewer tool, where when when you have your own changes and somebody else does something that fucks up what you were trying to do, the thing you were trying to do. We'll get fucked up. Yep. That's just that's just what's going to happen. But we will document the different places where the fuck ups happened, and uh, and basically, basically your get, work got undone, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's a tool that like that like takes you to the places where where conflicts messed with the things that you were trying to do, so that you can you know stitch things back together or, or resolve them or, or whatever. Because um, yeah, at a certain point, you have to decide like, and this is, this is the same when we when you're doing code merging with Git. Or whatever. There's no there's no automated solution to a conflict, right? Yeah. It's just a question of what do you want to happen now that two people tried to well, do different and, things to the same thing. And even right? the automated uh, solution, which is where there isn't an obvious conflict, right? Isn't like because like in Git, it's if two people touched what looked like the same line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then that's what creates conflict. In the case of like the game changer, it's if two people touch a member it's of the, the same data structure, same data. right? Um, uh, and in the map, it's basically two people touch the same tile or the same entity or something, right? Um, but those aren't – in the case that you didn't do that, where two people just touch different sets of things seemingly, right? Yep. Um, just smash them together. Who cares? It's fine. Yeah. Then like in Git, you just merge them together. You say that's fine. And, and like in our tools, we just merge together and say that's fine. But that still doesn't even mean it's fine, right? Because oh, – yeah. Because things aren't fully represented just by the raw data, right? It's also how it all works together and all this kind of stuff so that it can turn out that even though there wasn't technically a conflict, that merging stuff together was still – created something <laughs> surprising, right, that, yeah. Yeah. that nobody expected. And so so yeah, this, this is one of those just unsolvable – it's not, not just unsolved. It's an unsolvable generic class of problem, which is how do you let two people make edits – to the same thing, you know, code base, map, whatever, uh, and and prevent surprises. Yeah, and the general, I think the general point is that you can't, you can't prevent surprises. Well, so yeah. you yeah. move. Well, you're trying to can... minimize surprises, and then and then yeah. and then try to inform so that you can hope that people can evaluate yeah. the changes. Well, themselves. I would actually say, I would actually say, you can you can prevent surprises through visibility. What you can't prevent is problems. Yeah, that's right. Fair. Because like yeah. people can create their own problems in an infinite number of ways. What you don't want is people to be surprised by the fact that there's a problem. Yeah. You know, 
which is where the idea of like a, a tool that you can use to view all of the places where things went wrong and then you you can then – You'll have to walk through it to figure Resolve it out. them, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been – it's been interesting because um, when we first – like this has been kind of itching my brain for a long time, this problem of of the world map being – sort of stuck like this where like only one person can work on it at a time. Um, but it, it always kind of felt like this way too big of a problem to even worry about. Well, also, kind of also the wrong time to worry about it. Cause I think to your point earlier, the reality is that it's only a problem once you have multiple people needing to touch the world map simultaneously. Right. And that yeah, just it's like, like you could tell it was going to be a problem. Exactly. Right? But and it's, it's annoying yet. that it isn't already solved. Right. And, yeah. and that's this is the game we talk about this a lot, right? Like trying to trying to thread that needle of mm-hmm. minimize how much you allow your tools and workflows to be janky because that just creates a worse experience, right? Um, but also finding the right time to fix that because if you wait too long, then people had to deal with bullshit for too long, and if you do it too quickly, then you don't fully understand the scope of that problem, right? Mm-hmm. And you also right. have it. Have it because like the longer you wait, the more like tools and techniques and and skills you'll have developed to solve that problem once you actually do. Right? I always think about it like uh, you know like when a storm's coming and like you could you could see it and you could sense it. And so there's the sense that like oh my god I have to do something about it, but you're actually dry still. Everything's right? fine. Everything's for now. fine, yeah. and you just got to be like you okay. just got to do stuff about it by the time it gets there. <laughs> yeah, or even or even like a little bit after it arrives, right? Because the reality is like you don't need to go in. Like if you're say you're outside and there's like a storm coming. You don't really need to go inside until it's like raining, raining or like thundering. You know what I mean? It's okay to yep. get a little wet. And in fact, usually it's better to, unless of course you have a forecast, whatever. But the point is like, if it's, if it's going to be sprinkling a little bit and that's all it was going to be. That is fine. Yeah. But you won't necessarily know until the storm gets there. Yeah. So, so. I, I think it's actually better. I think it's better to usually when it comes to these production improvements, because the engineering costs can typically be very high to essentially prioritize them on a, uh, almost like a just in, just in time, or you know, oh yeah, you'll know. Yeah, when you well, need because it, the problem like is like you get you need to use the tool to actually do the thing that the tool is for. If all you do is just continuously work on tools, then you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. You have tools, but you don't have you haven't produced the thing that you were making the tools to, to produce, produce yep. right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, and so so it became a problem, and uh, and so I it's been interesting because because I since I switched over to the content production stuff, then I've been bumping up against these these tools constraints a bunch. Uh, and then it's, it has kind of been the case that like half to two thirds of my time has been, uh, fixing up and adding features to our tools so that it's easier for me to implement the content. Um, and those problems were always there, but I think, uh, since I wasn't directly doing the work, I was just working on the tools. Then, you know, this, the, the term is dog fooding for this, which is like using the product that you are working on so that you can actually understand the, the issues with it. Because yeah, the metaphor when, coming from, you know, if you're making dog food as a company, but wouldn't feed it to your own dogs, you know. Yeah. Then. Right. Because like when, when Sam and Jen were working on it, uh, you know, they they don't know what the code base looks like. They don't know how easy or difficult it would be to add certain features or to change certain things. And, um, also their objectives are a little different. Like they're, they're just trying to get stuff in. Right. And so they'll sometimes like, let me know like, oh yeah, this thing didn't work or this is kind of annoying. Um, but mostly they're just focused on. Yeah. They work around just, stuff. When just they using the tools and yeah. getting stuff put into the game. Right. And so it's just a difference in perspective of kind of like where you're, 
where your uh, skill set is. You'll change your approach to using the tool because you treat the tool as a fixed entity, right? But if you're the person who works on the tool, then when you run into friction, you treat the tool as a thing that you change, not your approach to the tool, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I, I was also, too, because I I made our uh, VS Code extension so we could do GameMaker work in, in VS Code. And it's the same deal. It's like for the most part, uh, I was just making it and then getting Sess feedback and then fixing things, writing features, right? Uh, but then every once in a while, I have to actually like go do something in Game Maker. So like last week, I had to do some stuff and just instantly, like the moment I dropped in there to try to do something, I was like, oh, I hate that it's not doing this, you know, <laughs> right? There was like some <laughs> thing. And I, cause I think there's another, another kind of side to this, right? Which is not just, um, it's not just that if you are like the person who makes the tool that you can look at it and see like, oh, I can, I could change something here. Mm-hmm. And so, so that, so that you'd go do it. Right. But mm-hmm. it's also that you can't not think about that. And so for me, at least personally, I get so distracted by the fact that like, oh, I don't like this and I could change it. And I could fix it. And then I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore that I actually can't work on the original problem. Like I have to actually go fix the tool yep. just to be able to proceed. Right. And right, I guess this is also where yeah, it's kind of an production milestones or the production chats. Yeah. Well, and this, this right. is a balance that I'm trying to strike where it's like, if I'm working on the content, like my, I'm supposed to work on the content. Right. And like I was saying earlier, you could just work on the tools forever uh, mm-hmm. and never actually produce something. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to ride that line of I don't want to just spend all my time just working on the tools, you know. So yeah. it's kind of hard to find that balance. Because well, I think it's easy to, that you're trying to ship something. There's no just answer to the question of which side should you fall on, right? Um, yeah, you just got to treat each situation kind of ad hoc. Uh, yeah, so it's been kind of interesting, uh, kind of finding all of these like production holes and bottlenecks and stuff. And uh, but it's I'm very excited because honestly, like having the world map be stuck like this, uh, like only editable by one person at a time for so long. And then now suddenly seeing the the maps merging together is kind of magical. Oh, it's um, very but, cool. Yeah. But then also just like that's that over the past month as I've been, as I've been kind of working on learning how to do the, the content production, you know, that like every day having to send a message out of Discord, being, okay, I want to do stuff on the map. Is that okay? Or is <laughs> anybody else? I, oh my God, it sucks so fucking much. Bad <laughs> it's so, flow. yeah. And now just being able to just open the map and do stuff and upload it and it's it's going to be fine, you know? Like the only time it's going to be a problem is if I did this, I'm the same in the exact thing. same spot as somebody else. But as the world gets bigger and bigger, the chance of that happening just goes down and down, right? Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's very liberating. It's just like you don't realize a lot of times you'll be just like putting up with a, a shitty, awkward, slow process, you know? Um, but you don't truly appreciate how terrible it is until, <laughs> until it's just until gone. You, yeah. until it's gone, you yeah. know, yep, yep. and it's often, well, it's and I think that's, like, that's one of those, the reasons too, I like, I always fall on the side of like work on the tools forever, right? Which, which is why I'm the tools developer. Cause that way I can do that. Right. Yeah. No, you can just do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but like, but the reason is because the tools development is, is long. It's a long game, right? That's, that's the whole point. And like, and to Seth, to your point, because if you don't eventually make something with your tools, then, well, two problems. One is you haven't made anything, but the other one is you don't even know if the tool is doing what it's supposed to. Right? Yeah, that's um, yeah. And so, and so you need to have this sort of like dog fooding balance of, of using the tools that you make to work on the thing. But it is like, it just, it just is an impossible trade-off choice, which is you can 
either continue to make the workflows and the tools better, or you can use the tools to make the thing, right? Assuming finite time and resources. Mm -hmm. So where you fall in the balance is one of those things that you shouldn't just fall on like, oh, we always prioritize this or we always prioritize that. Where you fall has to just match the practical reality of when do things have to happen? When are you going to run out of money? Like all these kinds of things, right? Where what you what you basically want to do is you want to you want to push things towards the tooling side with dogfooding to make sure you're making the right tools, right? Kind of as much as you can get away with because because that's that long view, right? Of like saying, in the long term, the the earlier we had this, the earlier we made this better, the slicker the stuff was, mm-hmm. you get that amplifying long-term compound interest effect, right? So, but just like that storm thing, though, right? You don't want to yeah, do you it gotta, until you, you gotta got play the wet. game, though. Yeah, you gotta because figure otherwise, out how to do it. Yeah, you may not have needed to do it at all. Yeah, which is well, there's no good answer. Easy to get burned by. But you also have like a, a Jevons paradox problem, which is that the better your tools get, the more stuff you do. Yes. Oh, the the bigger the things you do, or the more complicated the things you do, because your tools can handle it. Yep. Well, as you as you scale up your problems, because you scaled up all the things you're doing. You also scale up the need for yet more tools to solve the ever-increasing scale of your problems. So, like, for example... But it's just like bottlenecks, though. It's like doing more of something isn't just like a lateral shift, right, necessarily. It could be, depending on what your goals oh, yeah. are, right? Um but if you're able to now, like, I think this is a good example, right? It's like, oh, yeah, like now people work on the map a lot more, right? But we know how big of a map kind of we need and like how much content we need. So yeah, we could make it all bigger now than we need, than we like would have been able to do before. But well, the more- there's actually, there's a new problem though that comes from this, which isn't, it's not about size. It's about visibility. Yeah. Because, because since more people, so up until now, whenever somebody was working on the map, they had to talk to everybody else on the team and say, I'm about to do this on the map. Is that okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Which means that everybody on the team generally knows what is happening on the world map. As soon as we yeah, no longer have to do literally. that. Yeah. And as soon as we no longer have to communicate about what we're about to do in the world map, that means the map is going to be changing in a way that nobody knows except for the person who made the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it will be changing in lots of different places at the same time in an invisible way so and you'll you be surprised patch notes too now you need <laughs> change logs yeah now you need yeah so, yeah. Yeah. so this that's is why, actually this my is next why visibility thing. is always like it's that it's the thing that kind of lags right as you increase capacity yeah. um visibility and logging all these kinds of things to be able to understand like what's happening always lags it's always treated as like oh we'll do that eventually right but it becomes increasingly essential as you're scale grows. And it's it's deceptive because yeah. you can't see all the problems that you can't see because you can't see them. <laughs> and so as you scale yeah. up your all your tools and you scale up your production, the the volume of of invisible things that are fucking with everything mm-hmm. just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. And unless you do something to purposely kind of like shine a light on them, to really get a sense of what's going on, you don't even realize just how big of the problems you've created are. You know, I think again, I think um, the, to me the guiding point of all this is that it has to be rooted in delivery. Yeah, there's there's right? some because, delivery yeah. problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, because the reality is yeah. like we can we'll actually be able to get away with having no patch notes. We could potentially get away with no patch notes forever in the case because of the scale of the team. Right at max, at max currently you would have three people making changes, but we still need QA to test them. 
right. still an accumulated yeah, system. But there's yeah. like there's basically there's ways to do this, right? They're like they're kind of dumb. Yeah, you should make a card when you make map changes, whatever. There's ways of like kind of putting some visibility in, right? Yeah, the way is essentially offloading patch notes to into a system where you still have patch notes, but they are unpredictable, ad hoc, yes, and not and integrated manual. into anything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, full, therefore, full of errors, sparse, you know. But again, uh, you, you always have to ask the question, like, what's the result of these errors, right? Because I think this the, the, the trap to fall into is that all of these things are fractal. That's basically what you're getting at, right? It's all fractal. Yeah. So it's like you can just go and you could make, you could try to design a system then that has like a perfect information uh, capability or perfect handoffs or whatever. But again, the question is always like, given how much time you have or how many resources you have, what is the relative importance of that? Next, the next improvement to some existing tool set or uh, even like a whole new tool compared to the speed with which you need to be moving or the error rate that's reduced downstream or whatever. It always has to be done in that, in that light, right? Well, you're, you're, always, that tunnel vision. you're always choosing when you do something, you're necessarily not doing something else. So that's, yeah. And, yeah, you, and so I guess more importantly, whenever you choose to do something, you are choosing to not do infinitely other things. And I think that's the piece that yeah, always- you cut off infinite me. branches every time you make a choice. Yeah. Just, so yeah, the just choice like you make yeah. is actually, is extremely important, extremely important because the opportunity cost is, is just infinite. It's just infinite all the time. And so the reality is like you, you have to be able to make that choice knowing that it is the one that's putting you actually closer toward your end goal, not just closer to like some localized, better version of X, Y, or Z. Um, yeah, because reality is like often, I mean, you see this with, with most programs, right? Just about every single program. If you're a power user of the thing, you work around all sorts of bullshit in it and you can do so actually pretty fucking effectively for a long time, even if it's the case that, and it might be the case that from an engine perspective or that tool maker's perspective, modifying that one thing would be like just, just an astronomical amount of work, right? Versus the outcome being like slightly slicker yeah. in this yeah. one particular domain. But a lot of time... So, it's not, which is a lot of time. It's not. Yeah, uh, I'm out there with you. Yeah. yeah, which which adds, but it adds again to that to the complication of the of the algebra that you're doing, right? Because yes. like, because there's always a huge number of enslickenings that you can do that are that are cost effective. They're just cheap to do, right? And I have good action, but there's infinite of those, right? And so it's the same. It's the same problem all over again, because because there are things where it's like so. Like I think we use we use Favro. Favreau, right, for our work management. And the fact that they have this like weird half support of Markdown makes me, drives me fucking crazy, right? Because as a programmer, mm-hmm. like, I want everything to be in Markdown because it's a nice portable format that I can convert into whatever I need to. I can do, speaking of, you know, diffing and merging stuff, like I could do that really easily. Uh, it's great. And they have like half assed support for it. Like sometimes I paste, paste up some Markdown in it, like, turns into a rich text. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Sometimes when I paste it in, it doesn't. If I use it like as I'm typing, <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It only has partial support anyway. So it has like a few of the headings and like nothing else. And in the end, I'm like, it would be better to just not have Markdown support at all than to have this yeah. like half-assed <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> then whatever this and, like, is. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm constantly working around what that is and it constantly drives me crazy. That's one of those, that's one of the, like, I actually don't use Favreau when I can help it as a consequence of like that. Just because of the mark. Yeah, it's just such a, <laughs> it's so annoying to write stuff in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah. because- As a document like, editor, it, it it leaves some things to be desired. Yeah, yeah and, that's, and sure. that's a hard yeah. problem. So I get why they're like not putting resources towards that, right? And I think if it didn't have Markdown support at all, I would just treat it like kind of a medium editor 
and then it wouldn't be as a big deal actually right but it's because it's like it's like oh, halfway in there you know then like my what i need it to be and how i treat it makes it so that the whole thing like falls apart right well, I mean, we like we've experienced this with our own development, where with just about anything that we can think of, we are about we're anywhere from an hour to two weeks away from having that thing in the game if we yep. want to have it. Yeah, yep. but, but it's just a million things. Yeah, yeah and, and, but if there's a list of a million things, you just you got to pick the thing, the next thing that's going to go in, and you know. That. We can put in we can put in whatever we want. And it's always but it's still always yeah. annoying though when there's like when one of those things that finally comes up in the queue, but it's been on the queue for a long time, and then it takes ten minutes, right? And you're like, dude, this Ugh. this has happened a few <laughs> times where we've had, we've had things that have been on the list for like an, a year, yeah, mm-hmm. and then it took there was one thing that took eleven minutes yep. to mm-hmm. implement, but but the thing is. It only took 11 minutes because of all the shit that happened. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The yeah. reason and that's why they're just so in time now. delivery part. That's yeah. like, yeah, that's, yeah. To me, the reason there's just time delivery is it's, it is like a natural optimization where it's like, okay, well, we know we need it so we can prioritize it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so it's a, it's a natural prioritization mechanism, but it's also a natural optimization mechanism because of that, which is then by the time you do it, you have every possible resource at your disposal that you could have um, to doing yeah. it quickly and well. Um, mm-hmm. So we actually, we experienced this because, uh, so one of the other things about our development pipeline is, is that we have this procedure that we call packing the world where what it does is it essentially takes a snapshot of the world map as well as the the game's content which comes with a game changer bundles them together into a package and bakes that into the uh the project so that we can deploy a static version of the the world for testing um and this is the version that will be packed packaged with the game when we send it to players and stuff like that so the idea is that way we can continue to work on the content and stuff uh, through the web while the static version that's packaged with the game stays the way that it is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a way of branching the, the content and all of that. But um, but we needed we wanted to get uh, the change logs from that packaging process added into the game's patch notes, but the change logs were coming from somewhere else. They were coming from, from the game changer. And we're going to have the same problem with the world map when we add change mm-hmm. logs to the world map. Essentially, it's we got several different places where our patch notes will come from through these different tools. And we needed a way to integrate all of those patch notes together whenever we deployed a new version of the game. Um, and we've been sitting on this problem for a real long time. The because whole time. Just the whole time. Uh, the whole time. Because it's a big, it, it was a big problem. But I think it was just on Monday. Yeah. On Monday, we solved it because ChatGPT exists. Mm-hmm. And the the solution to the problem involves Git hooks, which is it's just a it's a it's a technical thing. It's basically that whenever we whenever we uh, make a commit a change to the game, uh, we can at, write these little programs that like before we commit the change, this little program will run and do stuff. And so we needed to make a Git hook that would go and grab all the text for these different patch notes and pull them together and deliver those whenever we we made our commit. But uh, the language that you need to use to write these these scripts is bash. Well, you could you could write them however, really. Like you could kind of write them in all kinds of stuff, but but the sort of natural way to do it is to write a bash script. Um, Which is essentially incoherent garbage, is my (laughs) understanding of it. If you've ever read it well bash is so this is Linux-y thing, right? But it, it, it's a weird language just kind of from the outset. 
But the thing that's in particular about it is how fucking uh, opaque it is where – actually, I would say how action and information dense it is, right? So if you're you using a language a like – yeah, if you're using a language like JavaScript or something, right? It's like you're basically like reading what it's going to do as like – it's like, it's like append these things to yeah, that. It's like, it's like yeah. reading English sort of, right? But when you read uh, when you read Bash, you just see like some letters and some dashes it's, and some It brackets. reminds me a lot of of taking math courses. Yep. Yeah. It's very where they're abstract. Like, they're like, you know what? Fuck you, Greek. <laughs> we're just doing Greek. We could yep. write the word sum, but we're not going to. No. We're going to use a giant epsilon. What? Like yeah. just put, just use words, but no. No, that's not how math works. And that's not how bash Thought works. <laughs> yeah, it's know? like, yeah, it was literally because we, so it's so, and also just kind of stay, take a step back. Like we, we had decided not to solve this problem is actually what happened because we were like, cause we looked at it from just like without trying to solve it and just said, Oh, this just seems like a lot. And we don't, there's a lot and we don't need to yet. Right. We don't need to yet. And yeah. so the, that's usually, that's usually the main reason it's a lot. Yeah, It just seems like to. a lot. Yeah. And it, just like with anything, like we're talking about, you can't you can't go deep enough into all of the things to actually figure out what would require, you know, because then you've already done the work. Um, so this is one of those things that like felt like a lot, so we didn't dig into it until finally we're like, we really need to do this, right? And and I think it is still the case that because basically because then we we just we realized really quickly that like oh we could use we use GitHub for other things. We're like oh yeah we could actually use that to leverage the system we already have and do this pretty easily, right? So so. But had we tried to do this a while ago, we might not have realized that we could take that easy approach, right? So it is still the case that like, while we did know in like broad strokes how we would go about it and come up with a way that was going to be really simple, um, we wouldn't necessarily have come up with a simple way earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it came to the chat GPT part, it was like, it was one of those where I was like, okay, I know I can like, I can write a script to do this now and it won't take very long, but I'll have to like test it and it'll, it'll. It'll be fairly verbose because it has to like just do a bunch of file operations and do a bunch of stuff. And you have to go through a lot of documentation to figure out like how to even write that script because it's well. Yeah, and if it, and it's, and from the Git hook part, then I need to go read a bunch of stuff like okay, how do I get this Git hook working and like all this kind of stuff. But in the end, I just like told ChatGPT what I wanted to do, and it just spat out the Git, and it was like fucking four lines of Bash because again, Bash is. So concise, dense. Because like, yeah, yeah, one of the it, lines it is like it would have taken like, an afternoon to figure out what those four lines needed to be. Yep. You know, well, again, it, it only took like five minutes because I just highlighted it and I was like, "Hey, GitHub Copilot, what does this do?" Right? Yeah. So you had chat GPT, right? And then you were like, oh, and then you had Copilot explain because I, <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, I don't understand how this could be doing this because it's because it's so not concise. doing anything. There's it's nothing like happening fourteen in this characters. What? Yeah. <laughs> And it's like one of the lines is like it was literally like a square bracket and then like a dash S and then like the name of the file and then the other square bracket, the right side, you know, mm -hmm. that was it. And it was like, and I was like, what is the fuck is this? And it was like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is like checking to see if a file exists and then doing this other thing, like just mm -hmm. with that. And I was like, how, bracket. why? You and know, you know that, you know, that commonly known command for checking if a file exists, square bracket, dash, dash S, S file name. name, closing square bracket. Yeah. yeah you know. That one. Standard. <laughs> Dash S stands for file. Does this file exist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hilarious. But so, so there are yeah. all these kinds of things like this where when, now that these days we can loop in Copilot and ChatGPT and stuff, right? Where um, problems that in the past when we went to solve them, because there's kind of two layers here, right? One is like realizing what the solution could be, and the other one is actually implementing it. And both of those things are change over time as you develop your own skills and knowledge because then you see more solutions to problems and you're more capable of delivering on those, right? 
but then also the tools that you have access to are also changing at the same time. And those also change what solutions are available and how those solutions are implemented, right? And so when you take those things in combination, especially with the, like the these more modern tools like AI tools, right? Um, how just how quickly you can solve certain kinds of problems changes. But also, this this isn't even an argument though for doing stuff just in time, because it's also an argument for revisiting some problems that you haven't visited in a while, right? Because uh, that's also part of prioritization. It's like we were saying, like with the, with this change log stuff, we kind of waited until it just like was just just too much of a problem. We we're like, okay, fine, to solve this, right? Because it seemed like a big problem. But had we well, just revisited it, lit, right? You're it like, took yeah, about exactly. three hours. <laughs> but had we just revisited it a while ago? Uh, there's a good chance we would have come up with the same solution. If you go back it too would have far, taken a bit longer, we would have. Think, but it would have but, taken a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, but not that much longer, right? And yeah. And so again, like, there's not an answer here. There's not just like just do just I, time. I do like just that. Go, there's was it that you you'll know when you need it or whatever is that the is that the phrase you know you'll know when you need it as one of the protocols for deciding. Oh, Yagni. Oh, what is it? It's uh, you aren't gonna. Oh, you aren't, aren't gonna, gonna need it. it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, basically yeah. saying like if you're if you're. So I was introduced to this by one of our community members because um, so we have Yagni. the <laughs> we have we have the level head uh, SDK right where you can. You can download some code or you can just talk to the web API directly. And you can do things like fetch level information, bookmark levels, that kind of stuff. So you can write your own tools. And our community is doing some cool stuff with that. Uh, so a million years ago, when we kind of had first put this out and our community was using it. Um, somebody had put their project on GitHub that was using it to build a website that was doing something. And just out of curiosity, I went and like, went and like looked at their code to see what they were doing. Because I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, you know. And there was one spot in their code where... They were they were verifying a level ID and basically saying like, is this a valid identifier or not? Right. But what they were doing was just checking to see if it was seven characters long. Mm -hmm. And so I made a comment there where I was like, these are currently seven characters long, but there's no reason why they couldn't could be, be different, right? Because, like, there might be some change we have to make in the future or whatever, right? And the guy just replied with Yagni. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I had to do some Googling, you know? <laughs> That's the program uh, I was saying, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, well, yeah. It's basically saying, like, this no might be a problem yeah. later, but there's no evidence yet that it's going to be a problem. Brilliant. And so yeah. until I know for sure that I'm going to need it, you had treated it as a... I'm not going to need it, and you just yep. don't do it. Right? And I think yeah, that's because you could you could write your tools in a way that could account for it's every a, conscivable scenario. Yeah, it's a useful but who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the idea of waiting until you're getting rained on a little bit before you do something about the fact that it's raining. Yeah, because right? so, also the storm might just go right overhead and might just go overhead. rain on the next town over, or you never know. Or it might be a tornado. You know, set up. So also, it might be a tornado. You know, so it didn't matter that. You, did some prep work. Yeah, because your whole house is gone now. Yeah. So, you know, that I don't know what that does for you sort of planning wise, but yeah, it's not what you expect. Not, you, <laughs> couldn't, you couldn't have planned for it. You know? Yeah. It's not how you thought your Thursday was gonna go, but that's what happened, you know? Uh, all right. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. And as always, if you'd like to help support our upcoming game, Crashlands 2, head on over to Steam and give it a wish list. It will help uh, boost it on the Steam algorithm and uh and get more eyeballs on it so even more people can give it a wish list so thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week Goodbye.